Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to today's episode of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. Growth doesn't just happen. My goal is to help you become intentional about it. Each week, we spotlight leaders from a variety of fields, organizations, and locations. And my goal is for you to see that leaders can be catalytic no matter where they are or what they lead. I draw inspiration from the stories and journeys of these leaders, and I hear from many of you that you do too. Let's jump in to today's interview. Called the Zen Master to Digital Marketers by Forbes, Brian Kramer is a renowned business strategist, global keynote speaker, executive trainer and coach, two-time best-selling author, and Forbes contributor. He is the CEO of H2H Companies, an executive coaching company, and co-owner of Pure Matter, a Silicon Valley marketing agency founded in 2001, which has earned a spot as one of the fastest growing companies by the Silicon Valley Business Journal. And I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Brian, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for the nice introduction. I really appreciate it. Brian, I would love for you to share some of your story with our listeners, particularly around your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started? Oh, how did I get started? Uh, well, so a lot of my, um, a lot of it came from, uh, you know, even just as far back as high school, I think in college, um, I was, I was always a joiner of different activities, uh, you know, trying to run for offices or uh, joining clubs and getting uh, involved. Um, I always love just being a part of, I love connection. Uh, mm. Connecting with another human is is part of my DNA. And, uh, you know, it's also part of what my, my parents always, you know, encouraged me to go do. And um, so I kind of learned it from an early age. I think that, you know, one of the things that I did, uh, which was really not, uh, I wasn't really cognizant of it, but it ended up working out to my favor, which was just learning the ropes from all positions and in, in a lot of different uh, marketing agencies at first, right out of college, and just you know, taking a back seat and being kind of leader behind, uh, if you will, and learning from others, uh, being mentored, uh, growing from you know what what um what other people had to offer and that helped a lot so by the time i was you know ready to run my own pnl it i had been there and done that in in other flavors and that just kind of like warmed me up my my biggest failure turned into my biggest success which was an f on a um jazz test uh, in college and my, my professor pulled, well, I pulled him aside and I said, I'm not an F student, nowhere near it. What happened? And he said that my, uh, test was, uh, the, the, the link that I used cause the internet was just brand new. Um, and he said the link I used was down, uh, the source that I used. And so just provide him a new link and I'd be 
he'll reverse the grade. So I went back um, and uh, it was kind of, kind of, I can't believe he even checked the link and he actually did that. Talk about somebody who's focused. Uh, But anyway, I went back to my dorm room and I looked at it and the link was dead. And so I ended up going to the, the bookstore. I bought all the newest books on HTML. And that night I learned how to program and rewrite my own uh, site and all about Dizzy Gillespie and rewrote it and programmed it. And I sent it to him and he ended up replying back and said, thanks. And he reversed my grade. And I was like, well, that was fun. Maybe I should just start building websites for people too. And I did. And that's what got me in and started as my, um, my, you know, kind of journey of digital transformation in agencies. So, uh, so, you know, you never know when your, your worst day or your worst thing is going to turn into the thing that actually changes everything in your trajectory for your career. And that was one of those things. In, In all the contexts that you've been in working for other people and now leading your own companies, like how would you define leadership? Uh, you know, leadership is leadership's putting, um, putting your, your, everything that you have into helping to lift others up, Hmm. uh, creating what, what you can. And, and I haven't always been, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I haven't always been the best leader because it took me a long time to learn that. And, um, I think putting, putting really helping, putting your energy into others is what leadership is really all about. Um, helping them in whatever ways you can, serving others, giving uh, as much as you can without wanting to take or or receive, um, you know, being interested, listening, creating, uh, creating more, uh, understanding with empathy uh, where they're at, and uh, and and I think the other thing is providing vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, leadership is all about where are we going and, and what's the direction that we're heading so that we know where we're all heading at the same time. If you don't have connection with others in helping them to arrive where they want to get to and a vision, I don't think that uh, any organization can survive. That's really good. I can definitely resonate with that. In, in a previous conversation, we talked about what you call the H2H approach. And this fascinates me. And I'm I'm just, I can't wait for you to share about this because I think what you talk about here is really going to hit people where they are. What is the H2H approach? Yeah, uh, thank you. It's so it's it's something that I spoke about in first publicly anyway in 2014. Uh we'd been using it in our agency for years before that, and uh it resonated loudly. Uh, from stage when I gave a keynote uh, on human to human, the full titles, there's no B2B or B2C, it's H to H, human to human. Mm-hmm. And the idea back then, um, which has changed a little bit, not totally, uh, was that, uh, you know, it was right when social media was on the scene mm-hmm. and all of a sudden companies had to hear from their clients uh, on social media. They had to talk to their clients on social media. It used to be radio, TV, and newspaper, which was one-way communication. And now all of a sudden it's two-way communication. If I have a problem with my pizza from, you know, a delivery company, uh, which may or may not have happened in the last 24 hours, uh, (laughs) then, um, then, um, you know, that is something that we have the full right now to go on to what used to be Twitter, now X, uh, strangely, 
another whole conversation uh, <laughs> to, um, you know, talk about what, what we don't like. And, and that's something that a company has to deal with. I don't think companies yet have that down, but they're mm. much better than they were in 2014 when that was new. Uh, and H to H is also, you know, how we communicate now evolved years later into what's turning into AI and other, um, you know, uh, other, other technologies, VR, uh, uh, augmented VR, which Apple's about to bring out. So what does this mean for humanity? And what does it mean for human to human relationships as we just came out of a pandemic and we're all Zoom fatigued? Uh, and, and so it's turned into Zoom to human to Zoom or human to Zoom to Zoom, human, whichever way you want to look at it. And that's really what I think resonated when I talked about it there on stage and why it's kept uh, resonating all these years is because it's just never going to go away. It's always yeah. going to be something that we're competing for, uh, which at the end of the day is human relationships. And that's, at, that's what, that's what any business in every, every, every section of every business uh, is focused on whether it's HR operations, uh, IT, it's all about bringing human relationships together. And that's what creates more of what it was, what it is that companies want, want more of. Mm. I think that can be such a differentiator. If, if a company really embraces this, this idea of actual human to human, not human to voicemail or human to automated system, where you end up never, ever talking to anyone, but getting lost in a maze somewhere. It can really be a differentiator. What, what, what makes a company H to H? What makes them more human of a company? Yeah. Um, so there's three different uh, things that I outline in my book in H uh, the book that I wrote, uh, which are the pillars of H H. Um, and I'll ask you some questions, which I hope whoever's listening will also answer or write down as I walk through these. Um, the first one is simplicity. Mm -hmm. uh, what brand, and this is a question to you, uh, what brand do you believe embraces simplicity? Mm, that's a great question. I think in, in my mind, Amazon. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me why. Because they have tried to make it as simple as possible for you to find what you want and to purchase what you want and have it delivered to you as quickly as possible with, with as few bumps along that road as possible. Everything has gotten so much simpler. I started using Amazon back in 1997. So a little bit, little bit ago now. Gosh, that's been a while. <laughs> it, it has changed so much in the last 26 years. The, the dealing with the company, the process, the systems, everything has changed. But it has gotten simpler over time from my perspective. That's I love that answer. I love it. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of brands that you could point to that are there's even more that you could point to that are not. Uh, you know, Apple is probably one of the yeah. one of the premium brands for being simplistic. Yeah. You know, they've you can point on two hands, you can name their products. Uh, is, and then go to their site and it's easy to maneuver. So, um, you know, th 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 that's a great one. So then let's move to the second one, which is empathy. Mm. <laughs> what, but here's the key. What brand embraces empathy? I would not say Amazon. <laughs> that's a great question. What brand embraces empathy? And I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. 
it, it, it often shows up as great customer support. So if you've had good customer service, yeah, that's, that's a lot of times where, where good empathy shows up. Um, I'd actually argued that Amazon is great at empathy. And here's why uh, you can return any product. Most yeah. every product. that's true. Uh, and they don't, they don't really give you a hard time. And, and most that's of the time, it, you know, they make it easy, drop it off at the UPS store and yeah. We'll do, we'll take care of the rest. And you, you know, if you do That's that true. with any other store, it's it's a little harder than that. So um, you know, any co- any company you've had a good experience with and consistently, that's who embraces empathy. And then the the next one is uh the and the third and final one is imperfection. And I think this is the hardest one of them all because every company is trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you embrace imperfection, we tend to love them or root for them. Mm. uh, And it makes it makes them more human. Uh, Mm. Or if they screw up and they acknowledge it in a human way, we we also acknowledge them a little bit more. So um, do you get anything come to mind on a brand that that embraces imperfection? Mm. You know, in, in my interactions with Amazon's customer service, and obviously, you can live behind me. I like books, so I buy a few books uh, here and there. The the this is why Amazon is just my go to for this. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the cases where I have had uh, an issue with service, something not not arriving, something not being delivered as as it was promised, or something like that, um, I can't remember a time when Amazon didn't own it and take care of it. Um, mm-hmm. they didn't pretend that it should, well, it's, you know, it's gotta be your fault. It's not ours. We're perfect. They, they owned it and they addressed it. And yeah. I always appreciated that. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. So, so you've obviously, uh, met, uh, with you, you, Amazon to you is a very human company. Um, and you could argue that it is, and, um, and it means something different to each person. So there's no correct answer. Uh, you know, another good one might be Dove. They celebrate the imperfection of skin mm. yeah, uh, in, in everything that they do. Um, there's there's so many out there. I mean, when you look at nonprofits like, you know, depending Red Cross and <laughs> celebrating the imperfection or, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, there's so many different ways. Now, the hard part is when the, when you have a company that has all three. And yeah. uh, and when you get that, that's when you have your most human uh, company, your most human brand. Mm. Uh, if if we were to take a person and we were to say, why do you why do you uh, love them so much, or why do you get along with them? It's because they are simple. They're they're imperfect, and they they're imp- they're empathetic. Perhaps that comes out as listening. Mm. Um, and so, why not the same thing with with brands? Mm. Um, if, if we love the same thing about people, we should love the same thing about brands. It's what we look for. It's the opposite, ironically, of everything I think that Facebook is. Um, and it's a product of its own doing or being, and yet it is not simple. It is not empathetic and it is not, um, uh, imper- they do not claim to be imperfect. At least they don't own the imperfection. Yeah. They are not perfect, but they don't own it. Uh, so, so you can look and see w- what would make a company turn around their brand. And it's not just rebranding to the letter X. It's embracing these different things that make us want to be a part of their brand. And those are the three things that do that. I love that. I think that you know those those three pillars <clears throat> really go to a whole lot of human interactions, don't they? I mean, it's not just on the in the business sphere. 
but I think in in social interactions are, are these are these ways also that you can be more authentic in that realm. Absolutely, in social interactions, uh, you know, as you're you're probably aware as a coach yourself, it comes out as listening, and yeah. uh, you know, when you're in your level three or level two listening, it really comes out um, as a deeper level of listening and understanding. Hmm. Um, it comes out in the simplicity of response. Um, you know, are we making it more complex to understand what our product does to someone oh. else? Um, and then, you know, are we, uh, did we screw up in some major way? Cause every brand does yeah. along the way. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You have screwed up. Yeah. Uh, and did you own it? And if you yes. owned it, then, then, uh, you know, people can oftentimes look over that and become more endeared to you for owning it. And so, um, so the, yeah, absolutely. Those are the human traits. We could, we, we could become more endeared towards people that way too. You know, you were talking earlier about how social media has really helped make marketing a two-way street, more of a conversation, right? That you can actually have a conversation now and say, Hey, you screwed up. Hey, where's my pizza? (laughs) Hey, you didn't deliver this right. Some businesses completely ignore the two-way street aspect of that. Some businesses just completely pretend as though that's just noise and they're not even going to address it. Some businesses engage with it and make it a conversation. Why do businesses that participate in the conversation have the advantage? Um, well, you know, there's a number. I mean, think about just this this idea of just being heard. Or yeah. seen. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants to be seen. It's a common connection point that we all have. Yeah. And when a brand sees you, it, there's nothing, there's nothing better. I mean, when a person sees you and they 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 say, Hey, I see you in some way, whether it's through listening or something else, it yeah. really matters. And so when a brand does it, it's it's like um it goes above and beyond. Um and w- if you were to uh if you were to have uh, a conversation with somebody and they didn't reply back, you'd consider that, uh, you know, not, not the most terrific experience with the other person. <laughs> That's true. So why, why should a brand be any different? Um, mm. You know, it, it, it's not, I, and I, it's funny because I'll be in, I used to be in stores all the time with my wife and this is pre pandemic. And I just tweet them to see if they were listening as a brand um, and I just, you know, I would test brands all the time just to see who it is. One time I was on Virgin Atlantic, uh, Virgin, um, American back when they were, uh, uh, they were before they got bought and, uh, and I tweeted, I'm sitting here with my coffee, uh, my, my electric, my electricity at my seat and, uh, and my laptop, what, what could be, be- better than flying Virgin, uh, on my way to my conference and they looked me up uh on on Google and um and saw that I was flying to uh or I said I was flying to Florida but they you know uh they looked me up and said have a great conference uh in IBM at IBM in 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 uh, speaking there and they looked me up the next the next day was public information and uh and said congrats if there's anything we can do to make your Trip and then uh, two seconds later, a stewardess came by with um, with a note saying, um, "Have have a great time at the conference. We're, we're we're giving you high fives and all this stuff." And I was like, "Wow, 
talk about being seen, you know, um, yeah. part of it was a little, uh, I felt like voyeurism, but, um, but part of it was just, you know, wow, who does that? You know, like that is personalized attention. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of brands have the, they don't either have the capacity or they don't have the, um, the know-how to, or the fortitude to go through and actually see how they can personalize experiences at that level for ind individuals on a human level. They're trying to automate it, but they're not trying to create it so that they can deliver the wow experience on a human, human level. And so there's a missed opportunity there, in my opinion. I absolutely love that story because I think that that is such an illustration of, of building that human touch and not getting so big that you lose sight of the fact that it you really do business with people that you know, like, and trust. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If you don't know, like, or trust or entrust someone, you're far less likely to want to do business with them. You felt known. You felt liked, which increases your trust. Talk about trust for a second. How does trust fit into this whole thing? Oh, my gosh. So now, now you're entering into um, the thing that creates trust, which is uh, the the formula of when you combine simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. And when you have all three, that's what creates trust. Mm. So, um, so what those things, when they are in alignment, think about uh, one of your uh, friends who you might have had for longer than others and what you love about them. You love their, the, most of the time we have long-term friends because they know us yeah. uh, and they they love us no matter what. Uh, that's empathy. That's empathy. Um, they, we, we love them despite their imperfections and they love us despite our imperfections. And that's, that is celebrating and embracing imp imperfection. And then, uh, you know, we, when we sit and we listen to each other and we hear what each other has to say, um, in, in the best sense possible, or we explain to each other what we're each going through, um, there's some simplicity in that. And, and so that's what, that's what peels the onion, uh, is those same three things. Um, tr and trust is one of those things like that is not built short-term it's built yeah. long-term. There is yeah. no, no silver bullet for short-term trust. I, you don't become a raving fan overnight. You become a raving fan over time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to be, uh, to, un, uh, to be a relentless in relentless trust, you have to create something that consistently proves that you are going to deliver on what it, whatever it is that you say that you're going to deliver. So just a one one off is a wow moment, mm -hmm. but a consistency in what you deliver every time is trust forever. That's raving fan status. And I think that's something every company should aim for. And I love the the model that you've laid out there to build trust over time. You're right. It's not a microwave thing. There's no microwave to trust. It takes time. Though the thing I'll also add is that you can you can lose it faster than you got it. Oh, so true. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah, yeah. You can lose it not just overnight. You can lose it in a minute, in a yeah. second. You yeah. can lose everything you built, and yeah. you have a micro moment of time to save it. Mm -hmm. um, there is a window of time before you lose it, where you can come back and save it 
And there's also a micro moment where you lose it. Wow. And, um, and that, that takes, um, uh, they always say it takes a big person to apologize. It takes a big company to apologize. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes the, the saving uh, grace of any piece of trust is turning around and apologizing for what, what happened. Um, and the same thing with humans, when you, when you apologize and, and, and even to this day, like I took, um, six months of my life and tried it. I went back and not just not for any reason other than just to, um, you know, do something in my life that I really needed to do a long time ago. And I went back and I thought about every person I had ever broken trust with in a micro way or, or in a a macro way in any way possible. And, and I, I apologized. I apologized to every single person I could think of, or I could reach out to, or I could, you know, had, had contact with. And, and, and for me, it turns out that there's no timeline on, um, on being able to do that. You can do that. Everybody can do that starting today. Now, are they going to accept it? That's not uh, up to you. That's up to them. Um, that is something that you just don't have control over, but can you clean up your side of the street? Absolutely. <laughs> and that's a starting point to regaining trust back. And so, um, you know, whether we're talking about on a personal or or a corporate level, a brand level, um, it, it works the same way. Apologies and uh, in, in in true empathy of understanding when it's coming from the right place makes a huge difference in sustaining trust. And I'm going to be thinking about that for days, Brian. That's really good. I think there's so much insight there, and I can tell that comes directly from from your experience, from your journey. So you you've been leading for a while. And, you know, in, in so many different spaces, when we talked previously, you talked about how you believe that agency owners have to reinvent their agency every two to three years. Now, there's a lot of agency owners and entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast. And I imagine when I say that, they're going to be like, what? <clears throat> what? Every two to three years. Why do you say that? Well, so, you know, we started out as a brand slash digital agency we were building websites and creating branding projects um and and then we we added or migrated depending upon how you looked at it or who our client was we um we we became all kinds of things we became a demand gen agency uh when digital was just you know email marketing became a thing and and then uh we became a uh a social media influencer agency uh, started the first uh, global influencer um, uh, ambassador program for IBM, uh, and then we we did the same thing for Netflix, and then we started to work with companies like Mastercard and Cisco and IBM in um, even deeper uh, digital experiences and creating uh, sales um, sales channel marketing. And that was a whole nother animal. So every time, um, every time you, you evolve, you, you grow, but also so did the technology. I mean, look at where we're at now, now all of a sudden, I mean, my wife is a, is a CM outsource CMO and a graphic designer, uh, and copywriter. And she just the other day, uh, was working on a, you know, a campaign and she just 
pushed a button and Photoshop created the image for her. So that took what used to be at our agency hours of, of Photoshop work of sitting and actually taking a photo that was of a lake with a person fishing and it widened it to a panoramic view. And you could not, she zoomed in and she showed me, you could not tell that wow. the fishing pole was elongated and the, the water ripple had extended out perfectly. And the, the uh, pole fishing pole itself in the person's head was perfectly, you know, finished out. And, and it did all this. And, she, and if she were to do that, it would take hours. Um, so, you know, that's just one example of what is going, what's going to come along if it hasn't already in, in, in agency and creative and marketing, copywriting, um, you know, these tools are coming. We have to use the tools because they, they make us more productive. It's going to, it's going to create more, um, more time for us to be able to do the one thing that AI can't do, which is strategy. And so if you build your agency, and this is a tip for you, and I built our, my agency this way, not not because I saw it coming, but because it actually ended up being the one thing we stood on, which is strategy. If you build on strategy, you create with strategy, and your main offer is strategy, mm. everything else can change around it. Uh, as you evolve and grow, but strategy you cannot get rid of. And it's the one thing that people will always be willing to pay for. If you know all the where to go, what to do and who to get it from, that's not the, that's a commodity. The, the commodity, the non-commodity is strategy. That's so good. I love that language. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of people listening can take is that I can do something with that now. That's so, that's so good. Let me ask you, Brian, how do you stay on top of your game? How do you continue mm -hmm. leveling up with the new skills you need oh. to lead at the new levels that you find yourself at these days? Um, I did till I didn't, first of all. Uh, but I the way that I the way that I um stayed up was uh uh I love I love tinkering. I just love tinkering. Like I am a tinkerer at heart. Uh, I'll do it not paid. I'll do it just because I love it. And I have a real issue. I, I wish that they had a uh, software anonymous or something because um, <laughs> uh, I really have a bad issue of signing up and subscribing for stuff. My wife will tell you, we pay for so much stuff. And um, and it's because I love seeing how this connects to this, connects to this, and how does it create this, and how do we humanize it? Yeah. So it's always with the intent of how do we humanize yeah. um, in, engagement or humanize uh, whatever it is that, that I'm looking at trying to do. So I just, I really, I really just love tinkering. That's my, that's my number one, like always been, always will be my, my number one, like sandbox or playground. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I really love speaking and I, I, I learn more from speaking than I do from actually uh, giving in the speech. Uh, Cause I, I, when I get to a conference anywhere in the world, I'm, I'm surrounded by um, people smarter than me that, that are, have, have been doing all kinds of things that, and I get to talk to them mm -hmm. and I get to engage with them and I get to go, you know, here's what I'm doing. And they go, well, here's what I'm doing. And we, all of a sudden I go, well, I haven't tried that. I want to try that too. And that doesn't happen at home behind my computer. That happens yeah. when I'm out at a conference and I'm talking to people. 
So it's not in the in the moment that I'm speaking on stage. It's in the moment before and after when I'm actually talking with people. I learn from them what uh, what's going on, and not in a networking way. Not not like in a hey, uh, what's the weather like? What's how much is the house prices in your? I'm talking about like real good quality conversations. When we get together, we go, what's working for you? And what's working for you? And we actually share about those kinds of things. That 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 just drives me. I love that kind of stuff. Love that. I think that is something that every leader can learn from. I think what you're exhibiting there is curiosity. And that is a tool in the tool bag that too many leaders don't realize they need to be leaning into. They need to be grabbing and using every single day. When you approach every conversation with curiosity, with questions, like what you're describing, you're posturing yourself as a learner. You're exhibiting a teachable spirit. And when you do that, it's astounding what you can learn. <laughs> I love that, man. That's so good. I would encourage everybody listening to make sure that you make a commitment every day as you get started. I'm going to be the most teachable person in every conversation that I'm in today. I'm going to be the most curious person in every conversation I'm in today. One of the things I love, Brian, about this show is that I get to have conversations with people like you and I get to ask questions and I get to learn and I get to listen. And that has made me a better leader. That has helped me to help other people. But it starts with the right questions. It starts with being curious. I love that you approach it that way. I love even when you're going somewhere to speak, to share your insights, your wisdom, you understand intuitively curiosity is key. Mm. Oh, yeah. What are some of the challenges that you've faced as an entrepreneur? Okay, so um, burnout is one of them. Um, yeah. And I faced it in a massive way. So I, um, I got, uh, I was, I was on when I was speaking, uh, I was on the road for like 200 days a year and running the agency from the road and, and life from the outside was looking good from the outside in. Um, but from the inside out, I was, I was a total mess. Um, I had put on, a massive weight. I was morbidly obese. I had re- just gotten type two diabetes and, uh, and I was running myself to the ground. And, um, and I remember one day I was home and my 11 year old son sat me down and he, he, he like literally sat me down, uh, actually took me by the hand and said, dad, we need to talk. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he said, dad, you're, um, you're, you're, you're overweight, although he said it in not, not as nice a way. Uh, but he's, he was direct 11 year old. So I take that with a grain of salt. Um, he said, you're, um, you know, you have diabetes, you're never home. You're never at my sister and my plays or sports. Uh, and I don't think you're going to get to meet your grandchildren at the, because you're going to die before you get to meet them. Cause you're not healthy. And he was right. Um, it hit me in the in the chest or in the heart and between the eyes at the same time. And I, I, uh, I unfortunately the next day I was out uh, speaking again. Flew out again. I was in tears on the plane. Flew back, and I remember then saying to my wife, "We own the agency together." I said, "I I can't do this anymore. Not us. Oh. Uh, we're fine, but um, I can't uh, continue at this rate." And so. Uh, we took six months and exited everything. So um, I exited the agency. I exited uh, speaking for one year. Um, and uh, I spoke just 
very few times. And then, um, and, and I, then I took it a year, I took that year off and I lost 85 pounds. I lost diabetes. I dropped my kids off at school, picked them up every day. I never missed a day again. Um, uh, or at least for my turn to pick them up or drop them off. And, and, uh, and I got my life back and, and then I ended up, um, my wife, uh, ended up becoming the global head of marketing, the CMO for coaches training Institute. And I went through the program because, uh, it was there and I found my people and I'm like, Oh my God, coaching, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. These people are my people. You are my people. And, um, and I, I knew like, I wanted to help people not burn out and to create the lives they wanted. And that's, that's how I, uh, that's how I now live my life. And I, for the last six years, I've lived uh, a way healthier life than I've ever lived. And it's just been a wonderful turnaround for me. I love that story. I love where you have, where you were, where you came to. And I love the fact that you chose it. I will often tell clients, if you refuse to change it, you were choosing it. And what you did is you were intentional and you said, this has to change and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Mm. That's inspiring. And I hope motivating for many of our listeners. It certainly is for me. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you back. I want to take you back to when you were 22 years old, Brian. If you could go back and have a conversation with yourself when you were 22 years old, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Um, more naps. Um, no. I like that. I like that. <laughs> more naps. It's good. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, you know, I think the the biggest thing is just uh, is for me is just be present, mm. you know, just just enjoy every moment yeah. um, wherever your feet are. Uh, look down and look at your feet and be there. Mm. Uh, be right where they are in every moment. If you can be present, then you're going to enjoy your life a lot more. If you're mm. always looking forward or looking backward, you're missing out. Um, and I, and And I think that's the gift is just being right where you are. Um, you're always, we're always looking for more. There's always something we can should on ourselves. Um, I wouldn't go back uh, and and tell myself at 22, I should have done this or I should have done that or, or what am I going to do tomorrow? Or how am I going to create more of what I want to be? Uh, stop all that and just be where, right where you are. It's the best. Mm. It's the best gift of all. I love that answer. Is there a book that has made a big difference in your life? A book that you would recommend to leaders that they pick up and read? Yeah. So my favorite, I've got two. Uh, well, I have a lot. I'm a book fiend. So um, I would say that if I had to narrow it down, though, The under, Untethered Soul is mm. uh, is just miraculous. It's I've read it, I don't know how many times. Uh, I listen to it on audio while I'm walking um, all the time. Um, it's a deep book. It It is a self-reflective book. It's a leadership book. It's a book about how to be a better human. It's a book mm -hmm. about self. It's about how to be with others. It's about how we live with our, uh, with our saboteurs and get through them. It's, it's the, it's the thing that I think, um, God, it's somebody was just channeling when they wrote that book. It just wow. is an amazing, amazing book. I cannot, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, yeah, so that would be the the top book. Um, and I think as a second follow-up to that, 
is um, uh, the uh, orbiting the giant hairball. Um, and that book is uh, was written by the CMO of Hallmark, um, the chief creative officer of Hallmark. Sorry, and he um, he was just a fascinating guy. It was when Hallmark was just first starting, and how he helped grow Hallmark, and how creativity spawned this this giant of a company that we now use all use every holiday birthday whatever and um but the way that he entered into conversations and the way he created uh little creative moments for people to think differently inside the company and how and why you see now that it became the company it did uh to have these great little sayings on the pieces of paper that people buy for five dollars and ten dollars um you you look at it and you go how who I mean, who did that? And when you when you read about him and what he wrote, you understand how it came to be and why can't other companies think creatively like that too? Uh, so it, that book is just it's it's eccentric as all get out, but it's really neat. It's a it's a cool book. I read a lot, and I have never heard of nor read either of those, and now I have to check them out. <laughs> Thank you for that. You got it. As we tie a bow in the conversation today, people will typically walk away from a podcast episode with one big idea. If you could tell them, I want you to walk away with this. This is the main thing. What is that main thing? Yeah. Uh, if you take anything away from anything that we just talked about, it's this. It's being human has now become your competitive advantage. You could do everything that everyone's telling you to do. Go get that email system. Go get that uh, platform. Go hire more people to to create that funnel. It's it's none of that right now. If you want to stand out, uh, you know when was the last time that you got a real written thank you card in the mailbox? When was the last time that somebody actually called you and just said hey from a company wanted to know what you thought of the product? Not not very often on any of those things. So being human really is your competitive advantage. If you leave with anything, please, please just do one a day. Just just be human once a day in some way to another individual. And you're going to see massive changes in your company or in your life. I know people are going to want to stay connected with you, Brian, and continue to learn from you. What is the best way for them to do that and take a next step with you? You know, thanks, man. Uh, easy, easy, easy. If you go to briankramer.com, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, uh, com, you can you can go there. All my stuff's there. Or you can email me, Brian with Y at briankramer.com. So, uh, and I'm at Brian Kramer across all the social platforms. So wherever you hit me up, uh, what, who would I be as the human guy if I didn't reply, right? So uh, wherever you hit me up, I will reply. Brian, thank you for such a great conversation and for being so generous with the insight and the wisdom that you've learned so far in your journey. Thank you for the awesome human questions. I love it, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to discover this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. 
If you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20 plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm currently learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take a next step with a coach to help you intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to help you. Just go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.